Good morning to you. I know Pastor Jeremy already greeted you and welcomed you, but I want to do it personally as well. For those that I've not had the opportunity to meet, my name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin North, both our North, both our Marietta and Canton campuses. And we are so thrilled that you are here with us today. You could have been a lot of different places, but you came to be here. And we're so glad that you did. And we want you to feel right at home. If you happen to have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be looking through verses uh, 36 through 40. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screens. You'll see the scriptures here in a moment. That'll be on the screens that we'll be looking at together. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the fundamental principle of life. Now, that sounds very deep and profound. And aren't you glad you came here today to hear about the fundamental principle of life? But as deep and as profound as that sounds, um, it's really quite simple. Pastor Jeremy already made reference to the fact that we're starting today a little two-part series entitled All in One, where we're going to be looking at this fundamental principle. This morning, I want to talk about the first portion of this. Next week, Pastor Jeremy and I together, we're going to team teach and talk about the second portion of this. And it's simply talking about all in one. Let's pray and ask God to be with us as we look at his word. Father, we thank you for your presence. What a great sense of you that's here. And we understand that out of your grace and your mercy, you come to be with us. And out of, more importantly, your love for us. And so we acknowledge that today. And now, God, we ask you to open up your word Let it speak to our hearts. Enable me to share it the way it needs to be shared here this morning. May you touch us, God, and may we allow you to do so. To really reach into our hearts and change our lives where they ever need to be changed. I thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard the story of a single parent mom who had two little boys that were really troublemakers. And they lived in this small little town, so anything that bad that happened in the town, usually these two guys were behind it. And the single-parent mom had had it up to here, and she didn't know what she was going to do with her two little boys. Well, a new preacher came to town to take the little church there, and he had a reputation of straightening out wayward children, that he could get them on the straight and narrow. So the mom thought, this is an answer to prayer. So she brought her two little boys to the pastor's office one day after school, and they sat in a little waiting area, and the pastor came out, and he said, I want to take each boy one at a time. So he began with the oldest boy, brought him into his office, sat him in a chair on the other side of his desk, and then he walked around and sat down at the desk. And he sat there, and he just peered over the desk and looked at that little boy and said, Do you know where God is? The little boy's eyes got real big, and the pastor thought, I've I've struck a nerve, so I'm going to keep this. So he stood up and got over his desk as far as he could get, looked at that little boy and said, do you know where God is? The little boy sat back in his chair, and he began to shake. So the pastor came out from behind his desk, got right in front of the desk, and just bent over and got right in that little boy's face and said, do you know where God is? The little boy jumped out of his chair, ran out of the pastor's office, grabbed his little brother in the waiting area. They ran down the street, ran to their house, ran upstairs, ran to their bedroom, ran into their closet, barricaded themselves in the closet. And the little brother said, what is going on? What's wrong? And the other brother says, dude, God is missing. And they think we had something to do with it. (laughs) And maybe some of us feel that way. God's missing. Where is he? I don't feel him. 
I don't hear him. I don't sense him. It's as though he's moved away and left no forwarding address. And we just feel real disconnected from him right now. And you would think when we look at the Bible and all that's in there and everything that it tells us about who God is and and how to be connected to him, that we would never feel disconnected from God. Yet we do. And let's just be honest. This Bible is sometimes very overwhelming because where do you start? What's the main point? What are we, what are we really trying to focus on? Where, where's a good beginning place when I find myself at this? I mean, sometimes this book can be very overwhelming and complicated. We don't know where to begin. And that type of a debate was taking place at the time of Jesus Christ. There were some religious leaders who were debating what is the greatest commandment. And each one was telling their different side of what they thought the greatest commandment was. And then they decided to put it to Jesus Christ, to ask him this very question. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 36, where we have one of the religious leaders ask Jesus the question. Teacher, he says, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then here's the part that's the kicker to me. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I mean, Christ didn't just give us the number one commandment. He gave us the number two commandment. But then he also gave us the bottom line. He said, the number one commandment, love God. The number two commandment, love yourself and love your neighbor. But then he also said, but that's also the bottom line of all of Scripture. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these. They're summed up in this. The law and the prophets, what's he referring to? He's referring to the Old Testament. Now, at the time of the Christ, there was no Old Testament. The Old Testament was their Scriptures. We didn't have the New Testament then. But you can throw the New Testament in now. And basically what he's saying, all that is in here, all that's in here is found in one fundamental principle of life. Love God, love your neighbor and yourself. There it is. It's all summed up in that place. Christ just simplified it for us. And he says, here's the fundamental principle of life. Love God and love others and yourself. I want to focus on this first portion of this principle about loving God. And just talk for a moment about love God with what? Love God why? And love God how? Love God with what? Well, what did Christ say? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You know what he's saying? Love God with me. Love God with who I am. I love God with all that I am. When he uses those terms, uh, uh, heart, soul, and mind, those are basically interchangeable terms. It's almost like he's repeating himself because they're so close together. The heart, in essence, is not talking about the, the muscle that's pumping the blood through our bodies, but it's talking about the centrality of who we are, the very core of our being. When he's talking about soul, he's talking about the eternal me, the everlasting me. When he's talking about mind, he's talking about the thinking, rational, intellectual me, and the emotional and the feeling me. What he's basically saying is, what do we love God with? We love him with who we are. Now, it's interesting he would use the idea of love, that he would put it in that context. Because love is the universal human need of everyone in the world. All humanity wants to love and be loved. God created us that way, with that desire. Why? So that we would know the love of God and that we would love him. He put it inside of us. 
And when you look at this idea of love that he uses in this, in this scripture, it's the Greek word agape, A-G-A-P-E, agape. And it means this, it means to esteem, cherish, and to treat with the highest value. Let that sink in a moment. Esteem, cherish, and treat with the highest value. That in other words, of all the things that I cherish, of all the things that I esteem in my life, of all the things that I give high value to, God is the one that I'm to esteem the most, cherish the most, and give the highest value to in my life. In other words, I am to treasure God. There's a scripture. In fact, Jesus Christ says this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God is to be my treasure so that he has me. He has my heart. See, some of us in this room might say, well, I love God. I I, I give him my money. I I tithe and that's good. And some might say, well, I I love God because, you know, I'm a I I base all my morals and my ethics on him. So I'm a good ethical moral person or some might. And that's good. And some might say, well, I love God and that my business is about honoring him. I want to I really want to have an ethical business and honor him with my business. And so I love God. And that's great. But Jesus Christ didn't say, hey, here's the fundamental principle of life. Love God by carrying out all these duties. Love God by tearing out all these rules. He didn't do that. He said, love God with who you are. Because if God has my heart, guess what? He'll have my money. He'll have my business. He'll have my time. He'll have everything that I am. See, my wife has my heart. She has my heart. She's got my money. She got my time. But you know what? Because she has my heart. When the money's not there. And the tough times come. We're still in love. See. Sometimes the money's not there to give. Sometimes you might be saying, you know what? I've been doing this tithing thing and I'm not getting the return. Or maybe you're being persecuted because of your morals. Maybe you're being attacked because of your ethics that you've based on God. Or maybe your business is really going terrible, even though you're honoring God with it. If he has my heart, he has all those things, whether they're going good or whether they're going bad. What do I love him with? Me. Who I am. That's what he wants. My heart. So I love God with what? Me. Love God why? What's the motive? Well, one, because he first loved me. That's why I love him. See, when I love God, it's not me trying to get his attention to turn his eye this way. I'm not trying to butter him up with all these things I'm doing for him to somehow get him to glance my way and somehow maybe love me. I'm not trying to manipulate him to get him to try to do some good things my way. I'm not in competition with everybody in this room trying to make God like me better. No, when I love God, I'm responding to his love. He loves us First, he initiates the love, we respond. In any love relationship, somebody initiates and somebody responds. When you and I love God with who we are, you know what we're saying? I love you too. Because he initiated the love towards us when we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, we we were unlovable, yet he loves us. He doesn't love us based on any condition. He just loves us. It's amazing. John, the apostle 
who wrote the gospel of John and he wrote the three uh, letters in John, first, second, third John. He also wrote Revelation. He describes himself in his own gospel of Christ. He describes himself as the beloved disciple. He knew how much the Lord loved him. He, he was secure in that love. And then he writes in his first letter, 1 John 4, he talks about this love came from God first. Look what he says in verses 9 and 10. It'll be on the screen. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's love? He loved us. Not that we loved him. He loved us. And God doesn't say, I love you. Thank God he, he, he verbalizes that, but he demonstrates it. He showed it in the greatest way. He came in the person of Jesus Christ. He came as one of us. And he showed his love for us and he died and he resurrected so that we could have this love relationship. Man, I love him because he first loved me and I love him because that's why I'm made. That's why I'm made. That's my purpose in life. It's why I exist to be in this love relationship with my maker. You want to know your purpose? You want to know why you're here? You want to know your reason for being? Here it is to be in a love relationship with God who made you. And then everything else works from there up. He made me with this purpose. If I'm going to re be really me, if I'm going to be the human Mark Walker God made me to be at my highest human potential, it's only going to happen in a love relationship with my maker. That's where it happens. Paul, in his writings in Ephesians, and we've been... If you've been attending here for any length of time, we started back in January in a study of the book of Ephesians. We're going to get back into that study in a couple of weeks. We'll get back into chapter 3. But in chapter 1, I think it's verses 4 through 6, he talks about our purpose. And I like the way the message translation says it because I think it just really helps it come alive. He writes this, long before he, talking about God, laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. This wasn't drudgery to him. It wasn't like, well, I got to do something for these crazy people, so I guess I'll do this. No, this, he, was, he loved it. It gave him great pleasure to pour his love out to us. And then look how it, it wraps up in verse 6. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. And that's, that's what we're made for. Man, to live in this lavish love of God and to love him in return. And that's, that's why. I love him. He loved me, and that's why I'm made. Not that he needs my love, but I need his love. And I need that relationship. So, what do I love him with me? Why? Because he first loved me, and that's why I'm made. But then how? How do I love God? I mean, 
We could, we could probably just start talking to everybody and just hear everybody would probably have a different type of way that we can love him. And there's all different expressions of love that we can have towards God. I already talked about a few of them. I talked about money. I talked about our business. I talked about our morals. And those are parts of expressing love to God. But let's think for a moment. I want you to think of the person in this room, maybe not in this room, but the person in your life that, that has your heart. The person in, lo- in your life that you love the most. You, you, the person you're closest to. And I want you to be thinking about what, what is perhaps the primary thing that helps that love to thrive, that helps that relationship to deepen and enhance and grow. What is maybe that, that, that one thing, that primary thing, that this, this is what's needed for this love to constantly blossom and develop and grow to the level it needs to. I bet about everybody in this room was thinking about in some term, of spending time together. How many of you had that in your mind? Spending time together. Yeah, look, it's hands all over the place. Absolutely, it's fundamental to any kind of relationship that's going to be a relationship of closeness and love to one another. You know, my, I, I, I love being with my wife. My wife is my best friend. She's the person I want to be with more than ever. Now, she says the same thing about me to my face. I'm not sure what she's saying behind my back, but... And when she and I, we love being together. And when she and I are in a given day doing our thing and, and carrying out our responsibilities and the, and the demands and the things that we have to do. Man, when I'm doing that, she's on my mind. To quote Willie Nelson, she's always on my mind. That great prophet Willie Nelson, you ever read any of his prophecies? <laughs> and it's always the thing of... I want to get back to be with her. I want to get through the day, do it with excellence, but always at the end of that, it's, I'm, I'm back with her. So when we're talking about a love relationship with God, how's the best way to love him? It's in spending time with him. And, and it's what we call the spiritual practices. Say that with me. Spiritual practices. One more time. Spiritual practices. It's spiritual practices. It, it, the two basic components to spiritual practices, prayer and, and the word of God. Because, because what are we doing when we come together and spend time with that person we love the most? We're going to talk to them. That's prayer. And we're going to listen to them. And that's the word of God. It's the same way. When we come to be with the Lord and just spend time with him, we're going to talk to him. That's prayer. And we're going to listen to him. And the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. Now, that doesn't mean we can't listen to him in our spirit. And that doesn't mean he doesn't speak to us in our inner being. That it doesn't just have to come through the word. It has to always align with the word. But this is the primary way that he speaks to us. Prayer and the word. So, How can we have that kind of a life in a consistent basis? Because if you're like me and you're a follower of Christ in this room, or maybe you aren't and you're thinking, man, how as busy as I am, how in the world do I take the time to do this? And what do you even do? But if you're like me, you, you can get too busy. And sometimes you just find yourself losing that time with him. So to just talk as we close out, how, what are some ways we can best connect With God, because that's what we're talking about. And spending time with him, we're talking about best connecting with him. To look at this, I want to look at, 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 at the life of Christ for just one moment. In, in, in Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible and want to turn there, you can, but it's going to be on the screen. In, in Luke chapter 5, we, we see 
uh, Luke describe a, 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 a time in Christ's life. Now, when you look at the Gospels and you look at Jesus and all that it says about Christ, all the powerful things he did, all the amazing things he did, let me tell you what you're going to read a lot of when you go read his life. You're going to read a lot about him being alone with his father. If Christ was anything, he was a guy that spent time with God. I mean, when you read about all the things in his life, that is going to be very prominent. Well, in Luke 5, it's not any different. And let's just sort of see in verses 15 and 16 of Luke chapter 5, just sort of using this as a backdrop. Look at verse 15. It says, yet the news about him, talking about Jesus, spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. I want to stop right there for a moment. Jesus is a busy man. A lot of demands, a lot of responsibilities, crowds coming from everywhere to hear him, crowds coming from everywhere for him to touch him and heal him. I mean, he had a lot of demands. He's pulled a lot of different directions. He has a lot of responsibility. He understands what a busy day is all about. But look at the next verse, verse 16. But. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Somehow, he was able to disconnect from all the busyness, from all the demands, from all the responsibilities, and basically say, I'm not saying those are unimportant, but the more important thing is those things are going to have to go on hold for a moment. I got to get with my father. I got to get with God. And... There was no way he was going to be able to handle those things he was facing without being with his father. So what do we see when, when, when Luke says he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed? Three best connecting things I want to leave with you. Number one, to best connect, you need to have a best connecting time. A best connecting time. The best way to, what's the best time for you to connect with God? It says Jesus often withdrew. He had, he had consistent time. What's your best connecting time with God? My best connecting time is in the morning. I'm a morning person. And my best connecting time with God is in the morning. But you may not be a morning person. You may hate the morning. You don't need to try to connect with God in the morning. In fact, God doesn't want you to try to connect with him in the morning. You put him in a bad mood when you try to talk to him in the morning. You know, your, your best time might be in the middle of the day. It might be a lunch break at your work or wherever you do your life during the day. In the middle of the day, that may be the best time for you to sort of pull away. Or maybe you're an evening person. Maybe when dusk is beginning to settle and the day is beginning to wrap up, maybe that's your best connecting time with Christ, but, but, with the Lord. You don't, you don't have to do it like everybody else because God didn't wire you that way. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you have more than one child? You have more than one child willing to admit it. You have more than one. <laughs> That's about everybody in the room that has that has children. I can venture to say you don't connect with every child the same way. God bless your heart down here. We, we might need to pray for you right now. I don't know. But you don't, do you? Because they're wired differently. It's the same with us and God. God wired us the way he wired us. He wants to connect with us that way. He didn't want me to try to be somebody else that I'm not. Be who he made me. What's the best connecting time? But also, what's the best connecting place? It says that Christ often withdrew to lonely places. Now, when I read that lonely places, that gives me no incentive to get alone with God. Who wants to go to a lonely 
place. In fact, I looked it up in the Greek, that word lonely, hoping it would mean something like a nice place or a quiet place or a spa or something like that. But you know what the word lonely means in the Greek that right there? Desolate wilderness. Thank you very much. Not only does it say desolate wilderness, a desolate wilderness where nobody goes. And it hit me. You know why Jesus went to a desolate place where nobody goes? It's the best place he could connect with his father. Because everybody kept finding him. So he went to places nobody would go. And that's what he's talking about. What's my best connecting place? For me, my best connecting place is two places. One is in my office at home. Early in the morning is the time at my office. That's my best connecting place. The second best connecting place, and this is going to be way too much information for you, but is in the shower. I don't understand. I can really connect with God in the shower. There's something about being wet and naked that just, I don't know. It opens up my heart to God somehow. I don't know what the deal is. Just going to be honest with you. I know that's way too much information, but just trying to be the real me up here. What's your best connecting place? Maybe, maybe you're a jogger or you like to walk and maybe that's a great connecting place for you. You can listen to your iPhone or your, I, uh, uh, or your iPod and maybe you, got, uh, you can listen to scripture or you can listen to worship or whatever. What's your, some of you, it may, be, it may be why you're doing yard work. It's not for me. I, I, I connect with the devil doing yard work. I don't connect with God. <laughs> Y'all are just carrying on conversations out there among yourselves now, aren't you? What, what's your... You know, it's different. What's your best connecting place? And maybe you're someone that travels a lot. And maybe you're of a situation where your schedule isn't the same every day. So maybe you've got to create several different kind of connecting times and maybe several different kind of connecting places. It doesn't just have to be one place at one time. Well, let me just ask this. Do I have a place in time? Let's just begin with that question. What's the best connecting time, best connecting place? And then lastly, the best connecting way. It says he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. When you look at Christ, he was a prayer. He, it seems his best connecting spiritual practice, if you will. When I'm saying way, I'm talking the spiritual practice, prayer or the word or a combination of both. But Christ seemed to be, it seemed to be his best connecting way was in prayer. And maybe for some of us, that's the best connecting way, the spiritual practice of prayer. Or maybe the best connecting way for some of us is, is really studying the Word of God or reading the Word of God. There's other parts of the spiritual practices that go with prayer and the Word. You, you can meditate where you may read some scriptures and take time just to meditate on them and just, and just, and just uh, uh, really focus on them and let the Lord just sort of speak in your heart with them. Maybe solitude. Solitude is a time when we just get quiet with the Lord. You know, we just be quiet with Him and then there's worship. Where, where we just may have some worship music going or whatever, but there's a variety of ways. What are the best connecting ways? For me, it's, it's worship music. I love to worship. It's worship music, and it's either maybe doing a word study in the Scripture or maybe it's, it's, it's reading some apologetic book. I love to read about the Christian faith and how we can know it's real and read about the things that, that really help us be secure in our faith. Man, you put worship music on about 5 o'clock in the morning in my office and reading an apologetic book, dude, God is all over the place for me. But it may not be that way for you. 
Maybe it's reading a devotional book, and I do it all kinds of different ways. But I'm in no means trying to say that I'm an expert in this. I'm not. I struggle with this like everybody else. I guess what I'm trying to maybe encourage us we're here with is it's a relationship, and relationships ebb and flow. You know, sometimes I just get in my office, and I'm dead dog tired. You know what I do? I just get quiet before God. I don't try to do anything. Just be still. Be quiet before him. What's the best connecting times, places, and ways? And just try different things out. Just see how you're better, best wired and just see what's the best. And you don't have to spend any length of particular time in when you get with him. I mean, when, when my wife and I get together, sometimes it's for 10 minutes. Sometimes it can be for a couple of hours. It's, it, just, it just varies. What's the best connecting time, place, and ways? I'm going to invite the, the band to come up if they would, please. So, we love God with what? Who we are. We love God why? Because he first loved us and that's why we're made. We love God How? Finding those best connecting times, places, and ways to spend time with him. Recently, I had some dental work done. I had a cracked tooth. My back top tooth. Do do we have any dentists or dental hygienists or anything in the room, endodontists? Anybody that inflicts pain in people's mouths in this room? We We do have a couple of you. Well, I love you and you do great work. But let me just say this to you. If you, and when you have a cracked tooth, you, you, it has to be yanked. It can't be repaired. And I had to have an implant done. If anybody ever says to you, ah, an implant's no big deal, look them right in the eye and say, you're a bold-faced liar. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they had to shoot me up and get me numb, and they just kept pumping that stuff into me. It felt like my, my face was hanging down here. And they stick you almost, you know, you're almost on your head. And they got this stuff stuck down in your mouth to catch stuff that could fall so it doesn't go in your throat. Well, that thing feels like it's down in your throat gagging you. And, and you don't feel pain, but you feel the pressure and you hear what's going on. And when they pull that tooth out of your mouth, you hear the snap, the crackle, and the pop on that sucker. And the, the drill and the, and it's, I mean, it's surgery. They, they end up putting they end up with sutures in my mouth and the drill and whatever they use. It's like, I think they use a jackhammer, man. I mean, I'm just. <laughs> and then you're listening to the dentist talk to his assistant, give me the drill bit, this and the drill that and this, you know, and your, your anxiety is through the roof. Man, I was just so uptight and just. So nervous and fearful of what was going on, hearing this stuff and feeling this stuff. Do you know when I got the most calm and I was at the greatest sense of peace and really began to settle down with what was going on? It's when the dentist talked directly to me. It's when he said, Mark, you're doing great. Mark, I, I, I know it's uncomfortable. Just a little while longer, you're doing great. He said, Mark, you need pain? Raise your hand if you're in pain. I was putting my hand up every 10 seconds. In fact, I just held it up in the air. 
And then he would say, now, Mark, you're going to, he told me, he said, now, you're going to feel, you're going to hear this tooth pop. It's, it's, it's going to sound terrible and it's going to unnerve you, but you're going to be okay. Mark, he said, this drill I've got to use. And he told me, he says, it's like a jackhammer. It's going to shake your brain. He said, but you, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. See, when the one in charge that knew what he was doing, that I trusted, spoke to me, and I opened and listened to him, that's when the peace, that's when the security, that's when the calmness came into my life. He still pulled the tooth, he still drilled, he still did all that, but by the dentist, the one in charge speaking to me, I had the peace and the strength I needed to get through the deal. Listen, your maker, the God who loves you, the God who wired you, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, the God who saw you before you ever came to be. He is the one that wants to speak into your life. He knows the anxiety. He knows the fear. He knows the worry. He knows the trouble that you find in your life, but he has the truth and the comfort and the peace to speak to our lives. If will listen I for the next few moments I want to give you an opportunity just to be alone with your maker you don't have to go to a desolate wilderness just where you're sitting just for the next few moments just you and him call me crazy but I believe I believe in a God who speaks to his people. He's here to do that with some of us. Some of us need to hear him. Some of us need to hear him. And he, he's ready, wanting, able to speak. Maybe, maybe for the next few moments, you just want to go through some of the scriptures we just looked at. Just, just meditate on them. Maybe you just want to be quiet before him. Maybe there's a few things you just need to put up to him in prayer. This band is going to be singing Maybe you just want to join in worship with them. There's one other thing I want to do that I hadn't planned to do, but I feel led to do. I'm going to, I'm going to ask Pastor Jeremy. I'm going to come down here. If you are somebody that says, you know what? I need more than just being alone with him. I need somebody to pray with me. Maybe you're walking through a very tough place and you want somebody to pray with you. You engage the presence of God. Pastor Jeremy and myself will be right down here front. And when, you, when you're comfortable, if you want to, you can just step out, come down, and we'll pray with you. If more of you come, we'll get more people down to pray with you. But this is your time. Let me pray, and then you just take your time with him. Father God, I thank you for your presence. Oh, may the love of our hearts just reach up to where you are. As your love just compels us and calls us and summons us. Father, I pray that we just respond in, in the way you've wired us to respond, that we can connect with you for the next few moments. And Lord, should there be anyone that wants prayer, I pray that you would give them the faith and the courage just to step out and come down where we can pray with them here this morning. Father, this is our time with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul, where
Sing like a man.